You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Amen, amen. Why don't you give someone a high five and take your seat. And um, great to... uh, Great to be with you here uh, at CLM in our first service and joining with our friends online. Can we show appreciation to the musicians and singers? And um, yeah, Chelsea Bell, I'm, I'm excited that uh, Socks and Sandals are back in. So like, I, I didn't know that. You know, listen, I, I'm a guy of a certain age where I was told that was an absolute no-no, but Chelsea's rocking it this morning. So I feel like it gives me permission. So uh yeah, look out for me next Sunday. I'm going to be uh, yeah, rocking the new look. Socks and sandals are back. Uh, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, socks and sandals are back. So there you go. Um, awesome. Do also um, pray for pray for Mark. Uh, I'm not mucking about here. Pray for Mark. He always needs prayer. But uh, this Friday, uh, Mark and Dave Pollard, who heads up our sound, they're flying out to Nashville. Uh, spend a few days at the Belonging Co., um, which is a church and a worship ministry. I love their values. It says presence over presentation, intimacy over industry, people over position, encounter over entertainment, Jesus over everything. And, um, and uh, Mark's got some friends and connections going to go out there as part of our songwriting. And uh, Dave's going to learn some things around live recording before we have our live EP recording later in the year here with some new songs that are springing up from the Salem worship team. So yeah, pray for for Mark and Dave as they head out. And uh, I would like to extend my welcome, particularly anyone who is here for the very first time today. My name is Martin, married to Esther, who's hosting today. And uh, it's just our great joy and privilege to be the pastors here. And uh, just brilliant, brilliant to have you here. Welcome to you. I'm at risk of duplicating comments already made. I'm, I'm so stoked about the weekend that we've just gone through and uh, not only the joy as a people we've been able to bring to so many, but seeing the joy that it's brought to many of us uh, to be involved because this is God's plan, right? His kingdom coming through His church, His people, showing His love and shining His light and revealing His glory. It's what it is intended to be like. And uh, as has been said, a huge thank you to all of you that have been involved in that. If you weren't involved this year for one reason or another, don't worry. Uh, Steve doesn't know this yet, but I can't believe this isn't going to become a fixture in our diary. Uh, That was so good. And uh, as has been said already, well, okay, that's confirmed then by uh, 13 people. So um, there we are. And um, yeah, and and also, hey, not just this, uh, not just the go weekend, but this week, Uh, Chelsea, who I've just uh, been a little bit cheeky with, uh, she started as our schools worker and uh, schools work is off the ground. And and Luke and Chelsea had some really incredible meetings already with open doors and favor. And we're just excited. You know, this is this is church. God on the move among his people. And uh, yeah, I do want to encourage you come to the impacts evening and let's just keep talking about what God wants to do in and through us in so many ways. I could see how the preach would be appropriate to come on the back of the weekend. And I, I feel like I, I kind of want to preach, uh, keep going, you know, about the go weekend because we need to keep going, don't we? But the truth is that I've been able to shake a word off that's in my spirit that I believe the Lord wants me to bring today. And uh, so I'm going to be faithful to that, of course, and 
trust that someone needs to hear today that you may be in a battle, but you will not be overcome. You may be in a battle, but you will not be overcome. You know, the, the Bible is so clear that life is spiritual. If you are in church for the first time, you might not yet have your eyes open to the fact that life is spiritual. I became a Christian when I was 17, and I don't think up to that point I really understood that life was spiritual. I understand that there were a few people that I thought were a bit weird who were a bit spiritual, but for people that were normal, uh, I didn't realize that life was spiritual. But as Mark sometimes says, you know, the truth is we are not human beings trying to have a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings trying to master the human experience. We are spirit, soul, and body, and we will find ourselves in spiritual realities. The reality, firstly, of knowing the living God, the Holy Spirit, God himself who comes to dwell within us by the power that comes from God, the power of the message of the cross as we are redeemed by Christ Jesus, and we are made alive in the Spirit, but also we have an adversary, and we are in a battle. And it's not uncommon in seasons of growth and, and influence and advancement and breakthrough and next level of responsibility for there to be particular opposition, and we can find ourselves in times of heightened battle and heightened opposition. Paul says it clearly in Ephesians 6, Verses 10 to 13, so often quoted, so well known, but it, it can wash over us. But let's say it again. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, other versions, battle, wrestle, fight, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil. Paul is writing to the church. He is writing to believers in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. And there can be seasons where we take ground. Now, I believe I've seen in my own life and walk over 30 something years of trying to follow Jesus with everything I've got. There are times of taking ground spiritually, and there are times of holding ground, of standing your ground, and times when it feels as though, as though everything is unleashed against you, and you just need to stand and stand firm. And this is what Paul is talking about. Jesus himself, of course, was tempted by the devil in the wilderness over an intense 40-day battle period. In Luke 22, Jesus told Peter, that the devil had asked not just to sift him, but to sift each of them, referring almost certainly to the disciples as wheat. In other words, to, to sift them, to test them, to see if some might fail the test. And Jesus says, but I have prayed that your faith will not fail. And when you come through, strengthen your brothers. Peter himself later on says this, 1 Peter 5, 8 to 9, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, again, right into the church. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Can we say stand firm? Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You know, here, here at Silam, I think this is a good principle. We, try, we seek to focus on Jesus, not on the devil. Yeah, it's, it's, and I would encourage you in your life to focus on Jesus, not on the devil. 
the emphasis of the New Testament is on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And the Bible says, fix your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He is the lifter of your head. He is the redeemer of your soul. He is the one who will empower you and strengthen you. He is the one whose life you, you want to shape yours around. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And yet also the, the New Testament is not silent about the fact that we can find ourselves in a battle. Of course, I'm not crediting the devil for every difficulty. Sometimes our own flesh and sin can, can cause challenges around our lives. Sometimes the sin of others can cause challenges around our lives. Sometimes we're simply dealing with the, the ups and downs of life. You know, if, you're, if your electricity bill has gone up in the last few months, it's not a personal attack from the devil against you. It's part of life, and we have to navigate the ups and downs of life. Sometimes the Lord himself will allow us to go through trials to refine our faith. And sometimes a, a, a number of things can come at the same time. You might have heard me uh, say before, I, when I was 21, I got my first car. And I, I saw a car and I liked it and I didn't know anything about cars and I bought it without testing it. And it ended up causing me a lot of pain and grief. If you're buying your first car, try and find somebody who knows something about cars. And I remember I had very little money and what little money I had, this car kept breaking down and all sorts of things were going wrong and, and what little money I had was going to keep the car on the road. And, and through it, I, I was... Uh, I kept praying and asking God to help me and he kept helping me. And, and so this whole thing was going on, but also it was a huge pressure and distraction. I was just new into ministry and, you know, every time I, I was due to preach or something, you know, the, the, like the car would break down. I couldn't start and it was a stress. And I remember saying to the Lord, I just need to know what's going on here. You know, is, is this the devil attacking me through this car? Are you testing me so that I will prove you and see you faithful? Or, or have I just made a stupid mistake in buying this Ford Fiesta? And the Holy Spirit said to me, yes. And I, I remember saying, Lord, you've not understood the question. Is it A, B, or C? And he said, no, you've not understood the answer. Yes, i.e. all of the above. And sometimes the enemy will come and piggyback situations, but there can be times of intense battle, times where we know we are in a fight. And the Lord wants to tell you today, you may be under attack, but you will not be overcome. When I was not long in church ministry, I was stepping up into a new level and I got caught up in a pastoral dispute between uh, a, a young guy and a, and a young girl, they'd been dating and then it broke down and it turned really ugly and they were part of our church and there was a, there was a lot of ungodly behavior. There was some foul things posted on social media and the whole thing was difficult and I was drawn in to try and help and, and the young lady who was not very well, she turned on me and it all became my fault and I remember like she was phoning me all, all hours of the day and night and screaming down the phone and she became suicidal and was blaming it on me. And, and I can remember every time my phone was ringing and I could see it was her, like I'd start to feel stressed. And I remember one time I was getting up to preach and my phone's going and it was her. And I felt a spiritual pressure coming against me. And by the grace of God, she recovered and I came through. But I knew I'd been under attack, but not overcome. When we've been here at CLM about 
a year, as sometimes can happen, though a lot of things happened at the same time. I remember there was some, there was some criminal activity, let me just say that, by a, a church member that we were trying to deal with. At the same time, there was a, something divisive from, from someone in leadership that we were, we were trying to deal with. I remember that there was then a, a, a guy at the same time who, who wanted to sing a song on a Sunday morning and was very angry with me that I wouldn't let him. I remember I was preparing to preach on a Saturday night and my phone was going and going and going and I was ignoring it. In the end, I picked up, he was shouting at me because I wouldn't let him sing uh, on the Sunday morning. I'm going to tell you, if you want to sing on a Sunday morning, don't try that. That will not work. He wanted to sing, I give myself away. He wasn't willing to serve. I said, can't serve, won't sing. Three days later, he felt the Lord speak to him to go to another church. But I was under the pressure and then got there on the Sunday morning and there was a lady with deep-seated spiritual issues who was really agitated, was in the church for the first time and she was making death threat signs at me while I was preaching. You know, some of you think it's easy being a pastor. Some of you, you say things like, you know, do you have a proper job or is this it? You know, it's like, but sometimes there are, there are times of pressure, and you know, in the midst of just the, the normal pressures of pastoring or whatever you're doing, it feels like that like hell has been unleashed against you. And if it's not one thing, it's another. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? And I was under attack, but by the grace of God, I was not overcome. Earlier this year, when we were gearing for city praise and prayer in the cathedral ruins, and I and I knew in my spirit this was a significant thing. I, I, can't, I can't explain to you why. I just knew there was something intensely powerful in our city of the churches coming together with a united voice and praying. But just as the, the planning was stepping up, it was the end of March, I, I hit my head and I experienced some concussion. And I, I didn't talk about it. I was just trying to get through at the time. But I had several days where I was really woozy and giddy. And I didn't feel right at all. And, and, and on my worst week, I was at home. I had to cancel some meetings. I was just trying to keep up with my emails. And someone else on the City Praise team emailed me to say, we've got a problem. We're under attack. And he said, these two people who are carrying all the weight of logistics, they've both gone off sick this week. And they're not going to be able to help at all. And I remember, I remember praying and I... I said, Lord, do you want us to push ahead with this? And I felt the Holy Spirit said, no weapon forged against you will prosper. No weapon forged against you will prevail. But I knew we were under attack. I knew there was a challenge. You know, I've never been so grateful as I am in this season of my life for the intercessors and the prayer army. And those that will stand and pray, we mobilize numbers of people saying, listen, we, we feel we've got to go ahead with this gathering, but, but there is a battle. There was all sorts, of, all sorts of things kicked off, including on the day. But I knew when, when 1,500 of us knelt down in that space, there was a shift in the heavens. I knew when we heard after that in Earlsdon and Cowden and Woberley, people had heard in their gardens the church singing, our God reigns over our city. The wind can't blow in three directions at once. Well, maybe it can. I don't know. Maybe the Lord blew out from the center. But I knew something shifted. We'd been under attack, but not overcome. I could go on story after story, account after account. That's not the, the point for today. If you want a title for today, that's it. Under attack, but not overcome. Under attack, but not 
overcome. In fact, why don't we stand together? Yeah, like right now. Excellent. And I wonder if you could say after me, I may be under attack, but I will not be overcome. Want to say with me, if God is for me, who can be against me? Why not say with me, no weapon forged against me will prosper. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, no weapon forged against you will prosper. Yeah, turn to the other one you didn't choose. Tell them, no weapon forged against you will prosper. My friends online, no weapon forged against you will prosper. Let's take our seats together. I'd like us to come to 2 Chronicles 20, the amazing story of Jehoshaphat. This story is so often quoted and and it's quoted around the power of praise. I want to tell you, I believe in the power of praise. I believe praise changes things in the heavens. I believe praise changes us. But I also believe this story is not primarily actually about praise. There's a subtext about the power of praise, which I am not negating in any way. But the story is about what to do when you're under attack. And it is a masterclass from Jehoshaphat. And we're going to read the whole story today. It's a little bit longer than we would normally have for a preaching text. So, so lean in and stay with me. Don't drift off here. Uh, join with me on the screen or, or on your Bible where you are. Lean in and stay with me as we read this story. And then we'll pull some things out of it. What to do when you're facing challenges, when you're under attack, but you're not going to be overcome. 2 Chronicles 20 verse 1. After this, the Moabites... And Ammonites with some of the Maonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hazazon Tamar, that is, En Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. Take note of that. And he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations, all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand. No one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They've lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. Mark didn't know that we're coming to this text. We're camped this morning on, I called, you answered, you came to my rescue. This is what Jehoshaphat's saying. This is what we've learned as a nation. He rehearses it. We'll come back to this in a moment. We called, you answered, you came to our rescue. It's what you do. But then he says, but now here are men from Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God. Will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah and their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite, a descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. He said, listen, listen. 
King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerul. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Some of the Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Indeed, under attack but not overcome. My friends, I'd like us to look at how Jehoshaphat responded. Number one, I want to say this. He set a Godward framework for response. He set a Godward framework for response. This might not sound like the snappiest point. It's not like Peter walked on the water or David slew Goliath. But I want to tell you, as I read this story, this is the most important thing that he does. Right at the outset, he resolved to inquire of the Lord. Right at the outset, in the midst of the challenge and the pressure, he made a decision that he was going to seek after God. He made a decision of how he was going to respond to these challenges. Everything else flows from this. I want us to notice a few things. Notice how the, the Ammonites and Moabites and Maonites are all coming at the same time. Three different directions. The Moabites from the east, the Ammonites to the north, the Maonites to the south. They converge in the same point. You know, sometimes it can be like this. When we're under particular seasons of pressure that Paul's talking about in Ephesians 6, where he says, stand firm. Things can come from multiple directions all at the same time. It's not one thing, it's a number of things. That can, be a, that can be an indication that you might be under a season of spiritual pressure. I'd also like you to notice how the messenger doesn't bring the news with faith. The, the messenger doesn't come and say, this will ruin you. He doesn't add on difficulty, but he doesn't come with any faith at all. In fact, the messengers come and they say, a vast army is coming. And he doesn't, they don't even say against us, it's against you. Now, this is, everybody's in for this. They say, a vast army is coming against you. And by the way, it's already in En Gedi, i.e., it's on top of you. And I want us to understand this because often when things will come in seasons of, of attack that are challenging and, and, and difficult, in my experience, they've never yet come with faith as the messenger. It's, it's very rare. You see, it would have been very helpful for them to come to Jehoshaphat and say, Oh, King, we have a little news to declare today. 
But before we declare it, may we possibly say one or two things humbly in your presence, O King. Can we remind you that we are the people of God and the God that we serve is the living God and he is able to do all things. And whatever news we may bring, he reigns over the nations. Just want to remind you of that, O King. I want to remind you that God has never let you down before and he is faithful. Now, the news has risen that there are some people that are gathering and coming as strangers towards us and it seems that their intent may not be favorable. But can I remind you once more that the God we serve is able to do whatever is needed to be done? Hello? They say there's a vast army against you and it's nearly arrived. And this is often what happens. I remember getting a letter drop on my doormat. I opened it up and it said, you may well be fined 20,000 pounds. And I, I literally remember like it was like fear comes and kicks your door down. I was like, what is this? The letter didn't say, dear Mr. Story, there is a possibility as we look into some things that there may be a fine, but, but it may well not happen, which it didn't. And it may be our mistake, which it was. And even if you are due a fine, can we remind you that the God that you serve is able to meet all your needs according to his glory? It didn't say any of that. It said, bam. And this is sometimes what happens, right? You you have a meeting with your boss or you go to a hospital appointment and the messenger rarely brings the news with faith. But I want to remind us as the people of God to be ready on that day to set a framework for a Godward response. Alarmed, it says, yes, you would be, wouldn't you? Alarmed Jehoshaphat, alarmed Martin, alarmed Mary. Sometimes we can be as alarmed. And so what do we do? The number one thing we have to do is set a framework of a Godward response of say, even though we may be alarmed, I am going to inquire of the Lord. He resolved to inquire of the Lord. He proclaimed a fast for the whole of Judah. He called a prayer meeting. It can seem obvious and straightforward. We read the scriptures. Uh, of course, that's what you should do, isn't it? But, but I want to tell you, because often that's not what we do. I want to tell you what he didn't do. Number one, he didn't panic. Number two, he didn't try and sort it all out in his own strength. He didn't immediately deploy some troops to the En Gedi or set up a, a barricade around the outskirts of Jerusalem or deploy the blacksmiths to make swords at the double, which is what I would have done. Instead, he inquired to resolve of the Lord. I'd have put the prayer meeting on hold while at least we got some things moving. Hello? I tell you also what he didn't do. He didn't phone his best friend to talk about how terrible this situation was and how fearsome it was and, and how terrifying it was and how they were probably going to die. He didn't either. He didn't Google to find out what normally happens to people in this situation. He resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he prayed. And I want to just break this down really briefly. I'm conscious of time, but some of us where if we're under attack, we could do worse today than to write our own prayer in this shape. Jehoshaphat's prayer, number one, he declared who God is. He says, Lord, you're the God of our ancestors. Are you not the God who's in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations, all of them. Power and might are in your hand. He declared who God is, verse six. Number two, he recounted what God had done for them that he'd been faithful. 
Oh God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before you? Have you not been faithful to me in times past? Have you not always looked after your people? Who God is, what he's done. And then he rehearsed how prayer works. We call, you answer, you come to our rescue. If you take anything home that you're singing, take that home today, because this is the message. We call, you answer, you come to our rescue. Then he headlined the situation. And notice he doesn't drift into how ruinous it is he, or how weak they are. He doesn't embellish. He just outlines. Now, there's a situation. I know you know it, Lord, but I'm going to table it anyway. And then finally, committed to trust the Lord, verse 12. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Some of you literally today, you might be going through some challenges. You could do a lot worse than to write a prayer. Of who God is. Remind yourself who he is. He is the Lord Almighty. He is El Shaddai. He's Alpha and Omega. Who he's been, he's been faithful. Has he ever let you down? No. Write it down. How prayer works. Ask and you will receive. I call this poor man called on the Lord and he heard him and delivered him out of all of his trouble. Just remind yourself how prayer works. Briefly describe the situation and commit yourself to trust the Lord. Secondly, Jehoshaphat sought the word of the Lord. At the end of his prayer, it says, all the men of Judah, their wives, their children, and their little ones stood there before the Lord. To me, it's a picture of waiting. They could have rushed off from there and panicked. They could have started to get their things together to flee, but they just stood before the Lord. It doesn't tell us how long they waited there, but they waited, and then the Holy Spirit came upon a young man, and the word of the Lord came. Church, we need the word of the Lord in a time like this. It doesn't seem as though they had to wait very long. And in my experience of going through times of challenge and pressure, if you wait on the Lord, he will speak. You don't typically have to wait very long. Something will quicken from the scriptures. Like me, when I was in that difficult time at the end of March, and I was like, you know, should we call city praise and prayer off? And I felt the Holy Spirit quicken to me from Isaiah 54. No weapon forged against you will prosper. The Logos, the written word, became a rhema now word to me. And I, hang, I hung on to it. It became an anchor for me in that season. I knew we were going to get through by the grace of God. Sometimes the Holy Spirit might remind you of a promise that's over your life, over your kids, over your household, and it'll quicken. And something that you can hold on to afresh because God has spoken something over your life. And it will put the things that are coming against you into context. Sometimes a new word will come. I'm so grateful so many times for Esther and myself where we've been walking through challenges and the Lord speaks to somebody. Sometimes people we haven't been in contact for months and months. Esther will get a WhatsApp. I had a dream last night. I go, wow. And it's the word of the Lord. Esther going through an incredibly intense, difficult situation uh, a few years ago. And I've got a friend in ministry. And I, I, he phoned me, but I, I didn't pick up in time. And I got this voicemail. And he said, uh, he just said this voice. He said, I'm driving on the motorway past Coventry. And, and I, I, I just... I'm praying for you guys, and I just feel I need to say to Esther. And he brought this, and it was a now word into that situation. And it brought her through. We've had all sorts of things. The start of 2021, I was going through some particular, particular specific challenges. 
A couple of months earlier, uh, I'd been asked to preach in a church in Melbourne, Australia, because we were all locked down. It was recorded and just sent, and they, they played it in their church. And, and a guy in that congregation in Melbourne, Australia, saw, uh, like heard the message, but felt the Lord speak to him about me. And he sent this card with a word on it and put it in the post snail mail. And it took several weeks to get here. And on the day it arrived, it was the day that I needed it. And it was the word of the Lord. And I kept it on my, like over my desk until the season had passed and the word had been fulfilled. That's why you need to hang out with godly people. Seriously. Seek the word of the Lord. Find an anchor. Thirdly, he stepped forward in faith. You know, we read these stories like, well, it's obvious, isn't it? This, this is what you do. The Lord speaks and says, oh, you, you don't have to fight. The battle belongs to the Lord. And we read it's like, woohoo, great. The army's still coming down upon him. But he held on to the word of the Lord. He responded with faith. And sometimes this is easier to say and it's easier to read than it is to do. He bowed down. Everyone falls down in worship. I love it. Some of the Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites from the sons of Korah, the worship leaders, they start praising loudly. And the next morning, they respond to what God has said. Take up your positions. The word has come. You won't have to fight the battle. What an incredible word. Take up your positions. Let me just go on a very small detour because often this is what happens in a spiritual battle. The Lord will fight for you, but you'll still have to take up your position. If the Lord's going to fight for them, why do they bother have to go out? Why do they put their armor on? Go and take up your positions, but you won't have to fight. And this is often what we have to do. You still have to fill in the form. You still have to go to the hearing. You still have to present yourself. You still have to put your uniform on, but you won't have to fight because God is fighting for you. It's take up your positions. In other words, head out to meet them, but you won't have to draw a sword which is why Jehoshaphat has the faith and the audacity to put the worship team on the front end of the army. You know, I, I would have put them in the middle of the army to encourage everyone, but some soldiers at the front. He says, no, sack that. We're not going to have to fight. Let's praise right on the front end. That's faith. And we read it like, it like it's obvious, but how often do we wrestle between faith and fear? And, and what happens is we, we come over here and we rehearse that God is for us. We rehearse that he's our deliverer. We rehearse that no weapon forged against us will prosper. We rehearse that he will lead us out. We will rehearse that he's able. And, and then we come over here and we say, but this is terrible and it's difficult and the probability is really bad and, and I'm not sure if this will work out. And what does my best friend think? And what does Google say? And what happens is we, we are erasing and eroding our faith every time we engage with dialogue over here. And it's like Gollum. You know, master is good, master is tricksy. And we can be like that. The Lord is with me, but this is overwhelming. Jehoshaphat held on to his faith. I want to encourage you to hold on to your faith. You turn to your neighbor today and say, hold on to your faith. Hold on to your faith. Why doesn't the band come and join me? You know, Jehoshaphat trusted in the Lord so much. They went out at the head of the army. We have to hold on to the word of the Lord. 
Do you notice in Ephesians 6, when Paul describes the armor of God, there are five protective elements, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith. There's one offensive weapon in there. The sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God, the sword. And take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Put, put everything on. Put the armor on and stand firm. There are times to stand. There's times to hold your ground. Put your armor on in those moments. Stand firm. Don't give in. You've got one weapon. And what is it? It's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God in your mouth. The Word of God in your heart. So we have to learn to wield it. We have to learn to use it. We have to learn to declare it, to proclaim it, to stand on it, to, to reinforce it. Every time you speak out the Word of God, your faith will be strengthened. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the, the Word of the Lord. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And finally, he stood firm and the Lord delivered him. Stand firm, stand firm, stand firm. Ephesians 6, where we've just been put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Friends, I've been in many battles, but I'm still standing by the grace of God because no weapon forged against me is going to prosper. Because I'm protected by the protector. I'm delivered by the deliverer. It's not easy. It's not easy being a believer, it's not easy putting your head above the parapet. But no weapon forged against you is going to prosper if you're in Christ. You can't be cursed because you're uncursable. The Lord's defended me. The lies of the enemy have fallen to the ground. The Lord has been faithful and the Lord is mighty. What happens here, they, they go out and they start to sing at the head of the army and, and it says that, that the the, en the enemies that are coming against them, these, these Moabites and Ammonites and Maonites that were all united when the messengers came to say this vast army is coming against you, that the Moabites and the Ammonites start to take exception of the Maonites in En Gedi and annihilate the Maonites. And then when they've done that, they turn on each other. By the time the people of God reach it, there is three days worth of plunder to collect. A mighty victory. You know, often when we come through times of intense pressure, it's into a new season, a new season of anointing or a new season of blessing. There's some plunder to be taken. There's a next level. There's something to step into, something to realize. My friend who's under attack today, I want to say stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord's going to give you. The Lord will lead you out. Sometimes you've just got to hold your nerve like to pray as we finish. I wonder if we could close our eyes in this place and just thank God for His goodness. I know there are some of you here today and this is, this is a word for a season that you're not in right now. It's one of those ones to bank. It's one of those ones to hold on to because the reality is that you might not be in intense battle right now, but the seasons will come. But some of you, you're in, a, you're in a battle right now. And this word comes and it's relevant to today. And I'd like to pray for you if that's you. If that's you, I'm going to invite you to stand where you are. You know you're under attack. You know you're in a battle. 
You know you're facing some intense challenges. Yeah, just stand. Join those that are standing. We're going to pray. Some of you, you've allowed your faith to be eroded in this season. You've allowed your, your internal dialogue to be too strongly focused on the challenges and not strongly enough focused on the word of the Lord or the promise of God. Now don't come to to criticize in any way, but I come to encourage you today to set a framework for a God response. Even in this moment to say, I am going to trust you, Lord. I am going to trust you. In fact, I'm going to invite you where you are. If that's you, just to simply say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. You might want to say, Lord, I'm sorry for amplifying the, the circumstance and negating the truth of your word. Just speak to him. My friends online, if you're responding to this word, maybe you're standing where you are. If not, it might be good for you to do that. And again, just to engage. Jesus, we thank you. What then should we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life. Is at the right hand of God. And He is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? The love of Christ shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of sword. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. So allow me to pray for you if you're standing. Father, I thank you for my brothers. I thank you for my sisters. I thank you, God, that you've got us. I thank you, God, that your eye is always upon us. I thank you, God, that even when the battle rages, you are holding us. I thank you, God, that you are mighty to save. I thank you, Lord, you are a deliverer. It's who you are. I thank you, God, that you have been faithful to us in times past and you are being faithful to us today in the here and in the now. I thank you, God, that even though we might walk through the valley of shadow of death, we will fear no evil because you're with us. I thank you, God, that although we might be in some challenges and in a tight spot, you are the one who leads us out into a spacious place free from restriction. So I pray, God, for my brothers and sisters, let faith arise today. Let confidence arise in you, in the Lord Almighty. May they hold on with courage. May they hold on and stand firm. May the Spirit of God come and quicken you. And may you know that everything is all right. In the midst of your trial, God has got you and He is going ahead of you and He will deliver you because it's who He is. Why don't we stand together, church? The band are going to lead us. Let's worship. If you'd appreciate prayer, uh, then why not come out down the front just while we sing this song? Otherwise, let's press in and worship. Thank you.